Hale Varsity Radio every weekday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m. On Thursday, show from counterread.com, Brandon Vogel, former Colorado football head coach Gary Barnett, and staff writer for The Athletic, Mitch Sherman, that and more. Hale Varsity Radio is the best sports talk radio show around. Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal have you covered every weekday, 4 to 6 p.m. with Hale Varsity Radio. Throws over the middle, floats it high, and it's intercepted! Picked off by Derek Barnes! The former Purdue Boilermaker with the biggest interception of his life! Sealing the deal for the Detroit Lions! Kicking off hour number two here on Hurt at Sports Radio, AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. I'm Ravi Lula, DB here with me. Joining us on the War Horse Sportsbook Hotline is Kevin Kugler, who does play-by-play for just about everything. Kevin, how are you this morning? Ravi, I'm great. I, I have a few concerns. Um, okay. And, I'm, and, I'm, and mainly they center around you, and I'm, I'm kind of worried. The new guy that you brought on. Yeah. I, I don't, <laughs> I'm taking I a don't big wanna, risk here. I don't want to spread any rumors, but at one point, at one point, I heard he killed someone. So I just wow. Want to make sure you've been sitting on that for ten years. Of the background that you're dealing with here with this individual. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's true. I heard it on the radio one time, and I. Just it's stuck with me ever since. It's you know, and I've watched his meteoric rise, and I hear him in the booth, and I think oh, you know, is Greg Sharp in trouble? Is Robbie in trouble? What do we have here? So like, I just really, I, I, it's it's my job to warn the people that are closest to him oh, that at one point he apparently killed someone. So that's that's me? all I'm going to say. Well, Kevin, I I can't. <laughs> That's what we're on this morning. Okay. okay. I, I appreciate the okay. heads up. I appreciate the concern. That's what I've got Shane here for. Stop to... encouraging him. Shane's here to protect me in case something goes down. Shane's in tears over there. Yeah, that's that's the one thing I've always said about Shane is if I am in trouble, I want Shane there in my corner to protect me. That's what I'm hoping for. I mean, you know, prototypical build of a bodyguard over there, I think. I think that's yeah. fair. Yeah. Still, still He's sit- sneaky fast. Yeah, yeah. He's sneaky fast. Still sitting on phone books over there. I think wiry is the term we like to use. For people yeah, yeah, that's good. K- K2, I know you're the, the, the consummate pro, right? Obviously, one the, best in the, the best, in the, <laughs> best in the business at what you do. But how, how easy or hard is it? Like, when you're listening to broadcasts, especially on big stages, because I miss I, – and I usually don't, but I miss the whole – Last play of the game at the Super Bowl, right? And and I was too busy worrying about, like, how'd you get open or did you take the ball first? I, I missed what happened with that exchange. But then I read social media yesterday, and it was still trending well into last night. Real time, as a guy that does what you do, did you – were you thinking, was that cringy for you? It wasn't cringy. I mean, it's look, everybody's style is different, and everybody's group partnership in the booth is different. And so you're going to have – Romo is an excitable individual, and 
you know, Nance was Nance was ready. He was on the call, and Romo pounced a little quicker than I probably would have loved as a play-by-play guy. But those two, <laughs> those two like each other. They get along while they love each other. They said so at the end of the broadcast. So I mean, I I am assuming that all is well. Um, I just I I you know it was be as powerful in the moment as that. And it's not the same event, but we did Purdue Northwestern a couple of weeks ago at Mackey Arena, and the place is going crazy, and we didn't talk for 90 seconds. Now, it's not the Super Bowl with 120 million people watching. It's a basketball game on a Wednesday night in the Big Ten Conference. (laughs) But the concept is the same. The notion of there are a lot of cool things happening in this building right now. Mm. And I really think since covid where I did a season of games with nobody in any building, I really appreciated the crowd more. And I, and I like the idea of if I'm sitting on my couch at home, is something that's, you know, and I, and, and I sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. But I really do think in big moments that's a cool thing. And if I'm a fan, I'm hooping and hollering on my couch or in my living room. I'm not really paying attention to what's being said on the broadcast. So it's almost better for you as a broadcaster to get your point across if the hooping and hollering has died down a little bit before you jump in and say what you're going to do, they weren't going to go right off the air. You never at the end of a play like that go, and that'll do it. Goodbye. <laughs> I, so I, you you're going to have time to analyze it. You know how consistent you are. I remember this is probably 07, maybe 08. And I'm, and I'm picking your brain and you said general <laughs> rule of thumb. If you don't have anything to enhance to the enhance, enhance the broadcast, don't say it. <laughs> And I was like, well, and, or, or, and then you said, give, give people a reason mm-hmm. for the cutaway. Yeah. <laughs> like, if well, not, I mean, then don't if, do it. If you are, if you are someone now radio, this is a little harder to do because if you just go and Mahomes rolls out, throws, and then you just stop because the crowd's going nuts. That, that doesn't quite work because the guy in the car's going, what happened? Why are you not telling me? But on TV, a little bit more. You know, that's, it's all so subjective. And you saw that in the reviews and in the commentary. I, I really thought Tony Romo and Jim Nance had a fine broadcast. I, my gosh, I can't even imagine a stage with 120 million people watching. In week six this year, yeah. we had a game with 26 million people watching, and it was the most watched game since the Super Bowl. And it's that was, what, six times the amount of people <laughs> watching that game? It's absurd. It's insane. It's the last communal event we have as a society. I saw like everybody watches the Super Bowl, and it's really cool. But in that, But because of that large communal event – everybody's going to have an opinion. I think nine out of the top 11 or eight out of the last – the Super Bowl wasn't included, so it's eight out of the last ten most viewed things in the in North America were eight of them were NFL-related. Does that – how did the, that happen? The NFL, is, the NFL is the biggest thing in the world. Well, in, in at least our world. Mm-hmm. I realize there's a larger world past North America. But it's the biggest thing – that we have in the United States as a sports crazed society. And I'm sure it's gambling related. I'm sure there's gambling ties to it, but it is, it is, here's, here's the thing we are. And I've always believed this with football, Mm -hmm. which is what I think makes, gives football staying power. We as a busy and now ADD type society have the attention span of a gnat. So we want something that we can, I can focus on football one day. I can commit Sunday or Saturday, depending on what my flavor of football is. 
And then I don't have to think about it the rest of the week if I don't want to as a fan. Mm. I go about my week. I deal with my family. I deal with my wife, the cat, the dog, you know, tracking down murderous sports talk hosts, anything you want to do. You, you spend your week doing that, and then you come back to football on a Sunday, and you're like, all right, I can spend three hours on this football game, and then I'm done again. You can commit as much time or as little time as you want to it. I love baseball. You know that. But yep. baseball is 162 games. That's a novel. You've got to spend a lot of time on your novel. Basketball is an 82-game season in the NBA. That's a long time to commit, and half the time you're not sure who's actually playing on any given night. It's just there's a long <laughs> season ahead, and football is something that you can spend one day a week on and be done with it. Football is the, the TikTok video of, of the sports calendar, basically, is what you're it saying. It is. It is. It, it's, really, it's really a, hey, I'm going to watch football, and then I'm done. And it's the perfect thing for us as a – and look, even as you're watching the game, you can be watching TikTok because – there's a burst of activity, mm-hmm. and then there's a lull. Mm-hmm. Oh, time for a video. Burst of activity, lull. I mean, it's a great sport anyway, but it's the perfect sport for what we've evolved in as a consuming public. You, we're Go talking ahead. to Kevin Kugler, play-by-play voice of everything. Um, <laughs> Kevin, I will say it's, it is a little bit easier for you because you've never really worked with a super excitable pl- color commentator, you know, like Nick Bosbury reserved. <laughs> So it's probably you, you haven't had the challenges that, that Jim Nance has, right? No, I mean it's it's it, it was it's uh, it's easier now, yeah. But, I mean I, I I've worked I've worked with great former Husker kickers before. That, that's sometimes a challenge. Wow. Um, I've, hey, I've l- l- lunch is off. <laughs> it's a wrap. <laughs> Uh, no, it, you know what? It, it's everybody's excitable in their own way, which is which is great. I, you know, I work with Mark Sanchez 18 weeks out of the year, and Mark brings a youthful exuberance and energy to the booth that few match, in my opinion. And I and, and I love him, and I love him for it, and I love working with him. We spend a third of our year together. Mm-hmm. I mean, Damon Damon can tell you. Imagine spending a third of your year with me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be painful. It would be a very painful. My wife can attest to that. She's like, "Oh, it's August. Please leave and go do football somewhere." But but so how I don't co- have to see you anymore. How cool is it though? And I this is I'm not like gonna ask you to fawn over yourself, but generally speaking, I, I, we and we said this in like the first sec, second segment. Like when you're good at what you do and like you're secure, it gives you versatility in terms of who you're working with. Like you've gone, you can do Lofton or Malone or or Sanchez and you're like the you're the barometer right the compass so you've got to kind of set the 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 tenor do you embrace that like is that fun is it or is it like oh it gives me another chance to test my skills because those all those aforementioned are very different oh yeah look look, the 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 joy for me I mean Bardo's not Hummel like you know no, no. The joy for me is being able to adapt what I do to best serve the needs of my analysts, especially on the TV side. Uh, radio is so much different because play-by-play on radio, radio is a play-by-play person's game. So I have to tell you more because there's not a score bug. You don't have pictures. I have to explain more of what's happening from a nuts and bolts standpoint, not from a scheme standpoint. That's their job. But from a nuts and bolts standpoint, i got to tell you the score. i got to tell you where the ball is. I gotta, so the versatility has to come on the TV side for me. Because, like you said, Stephen Bardo is not Robbie Hummel, is not Nick Baugh, is not Mark Sanchez, is not whoever. Yeah. And 
one of the things I've always wanted to be able to be is versatile, whether it's versatile in the ability to call a bunch of sports or versatile in my ability to work with whomever I'm in the chair with. And what can I do to make them better? Because if they're better, the whole broadcast is better. And that's really the goal for me. The goal is always to make sure that the audience is served. Did the audience get to see what they needed to see? Did they see the pictures that they you know, understand what happened in the game? Did the analysts get the chance to tell them why this or that was working? And if we walk away from it and that's happened, then it's a successful broadcast for me. That's the thing you always have to keep in mind is, yeah, this is all an ego play for all of us. We love, you know, having the chance to be on these games and it's a really cool thing. And I couldn't, I can't even imagine, I couldn't have imagined being able to do what I've been able to do when I was just starting out. But it's all, but it's all about the audience. You have to be able to, if, if they're not served by the broadcast, then it's not the broadcast you should have done. Now, maybe tonight isn't a, isn't a great example, but it is dollar beer night. And, and I know Georgetown. I will not have any beer. Thank you, Dan and <laughs> I know Georgetown limps in, right, with, with the lone yeah. Big East win. And so maybe being on the road isn't a thing. But you're in all these arenas. You're talking about being appreciative of the crowd since COVID. And maybe it's the portal. Maybe it's the fact that we got accustomed to not playing in front of big crowds. But it has progressively gotten more difficult to win on the road. It is an, at an all-time low this year, especially in college basketball, you're there. You're feeling the environment. Do you see environments wear on players? Do you see it get aware? Do you just think it's just simply more competitive? Well, I do think there is much more of a level competition, especially in the college basketball world, than we've seen in years past. And I think the transfer portal has been a big reason why you have teams that can get old quickly without actually having to go through the process of getting old. Nebraska got old quickly with a lot of new faces. They're an example of a team that obviously has not been able to win on the road, but they're an old team, and so they're able to get old. We see it with Purdue. They've gotten old the old-fashioned way. We see it with Northwestern. They have an old guard, which really helps anybody in the world of college basketball. I just The crowds are great. And the road thing is very weird this year because mm. it just it is just a it's a it's a and, and I our mutual friend Joel and I joke about this all the time. Every time something happens, we'll text each other and say, "Hard to win on the road in the Big Ten because it is. <laughs> it's just incredibly hard to win on the road in the Big Ten, and and it's and it's a weird phenomenon. And I and it and it's really throughout college basketball this year. Top ten teams going on the road against an unranked foe have a really low winning percentage. It's in the 40. I think it's in the 40s. It's in the 40 percentile. It's in the 40s. And in the last five years combined, it's been like 78%. So this year has been a, and I want to say it's an anomaly, but I don't know that it is because I don't think we see dominant teams right now in college basketball. And I don't know that we're going to see dominant teams on the horizon. The transfer portal spreads talent. You know, you're sprinkling the talent throughout college basketball. Mm. So if you're that guy who waits behind Hunter Dickinson, for example, Terrace Reed at Michigan, waited behind Hunter Dickinson to have a chance to play, and he's starting to develop the way big men used to develop. Slow, steady steps, climbing a ladder. But those guys don't stay now. You know, if you're, if you're waiting behind Hunter Dickinson, 
after a freshman year, you're like, you know what, I'm leaving. I'm going somewhere else. And so that talent that would have developed at Michigan maybe develops at Duke or maybe it develops at Nebraska or somewhere else. Now, Reed stayed, but there's a lot of examples of guys like him who don't stay anymore because there's just no reason to. Somebody's going to see you and go, hey, I'll give you 200 grand if you come here. Okay, great. I'm going to go over there, make 200 grand, and develop there. All right. That's mm. the free market that we've established right now in college basketball. But I do think it has a tendency to level the playing field much more significantly than anything we've ever seen in college hoops. Kevin, I'm, I'm curious what you think about Ed Cooley and Georgetown. I, I know one of my, I don't know if concerns, but thoughts about when he made that move was, okay, is he going to be able to – upgrade his recruiting at a place like Georgetown and have access to greater talent, or is this just kind of the guy he wants? Obviously, in season one, things have not gone uh, anywhere close to probably how he planned for. Uh, what do you think the future in terms of his trajectory at Georgetown holds is after seeing how much he struggled in his first year? I, I do think there is an upward trajectory after this year. I really do. I, I think they are set financially. I think there's a ton of financial support behind Ed Cooley, not just in his salary, but in his ability to go get players. And so he's going to have the chance to get whoever he wants. Now, there's no guarantee that they're going to go there, Mm -hmm. but he's going to have a real fighting chance to draw in players. And that's step one in the current environment of college basketball. You've got to be able to draw players in with whatever NIL money needs to be there And I'm convinced, talking to people around the Georgetown program, that that money is there. That money is there, and it can be there to help Ed Cooley. I think Ed Cooley is a fantastic basketball coach. I think he's he's adaptable to the times. I think he's adapted his style for what you need to reach the current athlete, especially in this environment. I think he's incredibly smart. And I don't know too many people outside of the Providence area that don't like Ed Cooley. I mean, he's just an incredibly likable individual, again, outside of Providence, Rhode Island. But I I really think that is a recipe to get Georgetown to whatever level Georgetown can be. Now, I don't know what that level is anymore. That, That program bottomed out, and they may have waited a year or two too long to make the move with Patrick Ewing. But, again, that's the challenge when you hire a legend is what do you do with him when it doesn't go well? It was one of the reasons I never wanted the Cubs to hire Ryan Sandberg as their manager because I never wanted to see Ryan Sandberg get fired. You know, one of your childhood heroes gets shown the door, and that's the case for a lot of Georgetown people. None of them wanted to see Patrick Ewing fail. I mean, you know, I think Nebraska fans can relate to this in a certain way about a guy coming home and not wanting him to fail and then ultimately seeing it fail. So there's, there's, a, there's a level you can get to with Georgetown. Is it – where Coach Thompson had them as national title contenders. I don't know. It's a different Big East. It's a different college landscape. But I do think Ed Cooley can get them certainly better than they are right now. Can you, do you get a feel, because we're going to get into this conversation later, especially with regards to kind of like players of the year, and, and we talked briefly yesterday about conference strength. Can you get a feel when you're doing these broadcasts from from, from top-to-bottom conference talent. I, I tried to make the case that maybe – I know most people have, like, the Big East, let's say, fifth or sixth, right, in their ranking. But if you get rid of, you know, Georgetown and – you got two bottom feeders, right, that pull the conference down. or Correct, Georgetown can, and DePaul. It, it, or, you know, if you – can you get a feel when you're watching broadcasts over overall conference strength? 
here and and here's the challenging thing. Yes and no. Okay. For example, let's stack these two together. Let's stack the Big East against the Big Ten. Each conference has a team at the top that I think could win a national championship. I think Purdue fixed some of the deficiencies that they had last year that knocked them out as a one seed in the 16. They they can hit the three now. They can hit outside shots when Edie is post trapped and doubled. They can it, they can get it outside and hit shots. They've got Lance Jones, who's a terrific defender as well as a slasher and a scorer. So they've got a lot of those pieces that they didn't necessarily have when the recipe was found last year in the tournament to beat them as a 16 seed. So you stack those two. UConn, I think, is the best team in college basketball right now. Purdue is a very close second. You've got those two teams right at the top of the list. Mm. Then you look at the middles, the second and third teams in the league. Illinois versus, you know, look at the Big East's top two or three. Marquette, Creighton, whoever you think is that team that goes into the mix at the end of the season. Michigan State's in the middle, the, the big middles. Do you like a Providence versus a Michigan State? Do you like a Providence versus a Wisconsin? How do you stack the middles together? Because to me, that's where conference strength lies. And I realize we don't have equal numbers in these two conferences to go apples to apples. Right. But where do you take the middle of the Big Ten and stack it up against the middle of the Big East? If you've taken out the top one or two teams and said, all right, these two teams are great, these two teams are great, let's set them aside. What about the middle? I don't know that the Big Ten has the bottom that the Big East has because Georgetown and DePaul lose to everybody in the Big Ten on a regular basis, just like they are in the Big East. They're losing, they're losing to Ohio State. They're losing to Michigan, the two teams at the bottom, because those two teams have better talent. What uh, happened in Ann Arbor and Columbus? Like, you, Are you not shocked? Yeah. And I get it. Michigan was hurt early, but the, the, the Howard factor has worn really thin the last year and a half. It's, it's been a weird thing to watch. I, I think there's talent there, but the Doug McDaniel thing is just bizarre. I've yeah. never seen anything like a road academic suspension. Uh, it makes no sense to me at all. Andy Katz found out last week that basically Doug has 12 hours a week that he could do basketball, and he does those at home, and then he's on scout team when they prep for road games, and that's it. So when you take a team and you take their leading scorer and the guy who drives the bus, and you pull him off and put somebody else in that position on the road, things like what we saw this past weekend in Lincoln happen. You just get annihilated because you're just a totally different team. Ohio State's a puzzler to me. There's talent there. There it's really a, it's is. It's supposed think, to be a good job. <laughs> yeah, and I, the problem with Ohio State is that that fan base is fickle. They're not showing up right now. They, I mean, it is – and, and look, Thad Mata had some – national title contending teams there right and they came for those but if they weren't in the picture for that they didn't show up at the regular we get spoiled around here with nebraska and creighton fans who show up every single time to watch their teams play that's not the case in columbus that's not the case in ann arbor those are schools that really are trying to get people in the door, and they're not succeeding right now for basketball. That's Kevin Kugler. He's the play-by-play voice man. for everything. He's You're on the Georgetown Creighton call tonight, right? I am indeed. A Georgetown Creighton tonight, but lunch first maybe with Damon Benning, <laughs> although it sounds like that might be over. Uh, 1040 shoot around, 1030. You going to watch? Yeah, I will, we'll go to lunch after the first shoot, and then I'll go down to Creighton shoot, and then I'll put on a suit and – I'll do a game, and then I'll hop on a plane tomorrow, and I'll go do another game. Wow. There you go. See you soon, champ. Appreciate you. Talk to you soon. He's the man. Coming up next, we got more Herd at Sports Radio. 
Hale Varsity Radio, every weekday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m. On Thursday, show from counterread.com, Brandon Vogel, former Colorado football head coach Gary Barnett, and staff writer for The Athletic, Mitch Sherman, that and more. Hale Varsity Radio is the best sports talk radio show around. Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal have you covered every weekday, 4 to 6 p.m. with Hale Varsity Radio.